0: Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook.
1: All right, let's get started. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, David Cook. Um, Greetings today from Detroit, Michigan. And the reason I say greetings from Detroit as opposed to where I normally am, hometown is Detroit, Michigan. My residence is Scottsdale, Arizona. So I always want to celebrate uh, the time I have in Detroit. And I rarely share with you when I'm here. So I thought I would make a note today that this episode is coming from the great city of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, You know, Every week, we have this opportunity to talk about um, the power of listening and the impact great listening behaviors have on building trust, improving relationships, and solving complex problems. And the reason we're doing that, and the reason that I'm so passionate about this, is that I believe that most of the challenges that we are dealing with in our relationships or at work or in our society in general can be improved, if not fixed completely, if we simply took the time to listen, learn, and understand. Because from that point of listening, learning, and understanding, we have a better sense of the issue and it, it brings us uh, to a place where we can better solve the tension or the complexities of whatever whatever it is we're dealing with. And uh, so when, a couple of things is that when we talk about listening, we're listening to perspectives. We're listening to the perspectives and experiences of others, especially to those that um, which we have a different view. Um, Also, too, then the next step is to learn. Learn from these perspectives. Discover how um, the diversity in in people's perspectives or the diversity in their experiences form and influence their choices, decisions, and behaviors. When we understand how people uh, operate, the decisions that they make and the choices that they make, the behaviors behind it, the beliefs behind it, it moves us to a better place. We have a better sense of who we're dealing with and how they see the world. And we inf- we layer that into who we are and how we see the world. And what's, what what it does is the more diversity we bring, the more we better understand how everyone sees things. We see the differences, we see the gaps, we see the challenges, we see the tensions. It gives us a greater sense of understanding from a much larger point of view than just ours. And when we understand, transitioning into solving means that we now can have an honest conversation. Everybody feels heard. They feel respected. They're in a safe place where they can speak their truth. Now we can say, "Is okay, where do we go from here? How do we solve or address this issue? How do we move through the tension that we're experiencing right now? And people are more inclined to engage when they feel like they've been heard and understood. From a leadership point of view, it's absolutely possible, you know, um, true, is this, there's always a statement, is people will follow somebody when they feel, when they trust them, and they trust people when they feel like they've been heard and understood. So, you know, that's, that's what this is about. So what makes this hour so special to me is, is that normally I have an opportunity to have powerful and insightful conversations with people who are living their commitment to productive communication in their way, how they listen and use that to discover how that influences their um, their behaviors and their outcomes in their lives and the people that they're working with. So anyway, that's the in revisiting what's this listening thing about, that's really a summary. And I'm thrilled that you're here joining me on this journey. Uh, normally I have a guest on the show. Um, I have to admit I'm flying solo today. The reason I'm flying solo is um, more than anything else, uh, I just had an opening and I kept it open I didn't know what I was going to talk about, but then based on the activities and experiences that I had last week, I have a topic that's um, personally very, I'm very passionate about, but also too, from a timing point of view, I needed to talk this out loud to myself. And I figured if I have a conversation with myself about this issue, uh, you might have an opportunity to learn from the process and the, and the thinking and, you know, stuff like that. And of course, if you don't want to be in my head, that's okay, I understand, you know, that would be um, completely understandable. But I think being in my head might provide you a, a better understanding of how I got here. You know, a few weeks ago, I had my son, Brandon, on the show and we talked about listening and parenting. And much of that discussion focused on my parental relationship with my son, Brandon, in three phases. Number one, his childhood, you know, me as his dad and his experiences that related to that then me as his dad and him as my son through his addiction and also his recovery. And I would say this was a good opportunity for, if you haven't listened to um, that episode, listening and parenting, which was listening, and parenting one. And then we also had another one called listening and parenting part two, but part one is my discussion with Brandon. if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to that episode, I would encourage you to go back and, um, The reason that I emphasize that is because I want to bring, you know, some context moving forward. You know, first of all, the last six months have been really challenging for me personally. And then the last last week was extremely challenging for me personally. And so we're going to talk today about listening and that inner voice and listening and self-care, which is really what that inner voice is doing. Inner voice is giving you direction. And we're going to talk about that. And the reason we're going to talk about that is because I got to a point in my life in the, over the course of the last six weeks, and especially last week's um, stuff, that I just needed to really step back and take inventory of where, who I was, where I was, and how I was responding to the challenges and issues that I was facing. And it made me realize, like, wow, um, I'm going through something that I, I want to share, something that I need to share. So, um, what happened over the last six months? First, I had an enjoyable, a very enjoyable, and very beneficial uh, business relationship with a good friend. Unfortunately, it was suddenly and unexpectedly terminated without any explanation at the time or since. I have yet to talk to the person who terminated the relationship. A very good friend of 15 years terminated a very good, mutual, beneficially mutually beneficial business relationship. And without any warning or any new news or anything like that, they just terminated it. And because of that, it was um, it was hurtful. It was disruptive. It was painful beyond hurtful. But in in some respects, I felt like it was mean spirited because somebody just says, "Yeah, I don't have anything to do with you anymore." But I'm not going to tell you why. I'm not going to pay you anymore, and I'm not going to tell you why. Um, that. Yeah, it was disruptive. And I was navigating that whole thing saying, you know, how do I how do I get this person to talk to me? How do I deal with the sense of failure um, and how do I find a way to heal when I don't even know what happened? Um, so I, I struggled with that I still have struggled with that. I've put it in a healthy place, but it doesn't mean that all the wounds and scars have healed. And then the second thing that I've been dealing with over the last six months was dealing with several um, health issues. I would say none of them are like serious, but at the same time, there are health issues that need to be dealt with and will be dealt with going forward. They're 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 probably permanent. They're not going to go away. Um, and and since I've spent my whole life um, proud of where I was from a health point of view, proud of my physical abilities and capabilities, I've never really been seriously sick and. Um, You know, in fact, it feels like I've been to the doctor more in the last six months than I have in my entire 65, 66 years of my life beforehand. I know that's not true, but it sure feels like it. And the, you know, it's like coming to the reality that um, I'm not 40 anymore. I'm actually 66 and my body's going, dude, you're 66. There's some things you can do. And there's some things that you can't do the way you used to do them. So I'm navigating a new reality. On top of the fact that there are just things that basically said, Dave, you're not as healthy as you used to be, and you need to you need to deal with it. So for that, again, on top of the issue with my terminated relationship, there's a huge emotional psychological challenge for me coming into the reality of um, being who I am today and not like longing for being who I was in the past and letting go and making the transition and finding how to release and move forward and stuff like that without being resentful or angry or disappointed, whatever it is. And then, you know, we have life is life. Um, during the six-month period, I've had typical challenge with um, all of my relationships. That doesn't mean they're bad, but, you know, relationships are by nature our intention in some form. They're in extreme tension, you know, we're battling or not speaking at all, or they're in laxed tension where, you know, you just navigate the day-to-day stuff, which stumps that comes up, even, you know, even the best of friends, even the best of um, spousal parents, uh, partners have fights. It happens. Relationships are tense. And so, you know, with the heightened challenges of health and my um, business stuff, um, it's been a little bit harder for me to navigate because I have been on edge. And then last week, um, and I don't like telling on my son, but at the same team, I want to bring this into context, is after about four years of um, recovery and some beautiful things that my son has accomplished, um, sadly, he had um, a relapse that's going to present him with some long-term unavoidable consequences. And it breaks my heart for him. I'm also um, going through navigating my own personal emotions towards him. I'm kind of I'm disappointed for him. I'm mad at him. I feel bad for him. Um, but again, it brings tension to my life. It brings tension to my relationship with my with my son and you know, brings tension into my family because now we are adapting to a change. So as I was kind of looking back at the past week and the past six months, I realized that um Navigating the chaos of life requires being aware of the inner voices and the messages that we are sharing. You know, as as humans, we are wired for survival. You know, it's not like we just quit. Stuff happens, and we try to figure out our way through it. Sometimes we get stuck, um, and because you know, we get worn out, we get tired, we get beat up, and we get stuck. And sometimes we just like you know, pass and say, "Yeah, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore." But the truth of the matter is, is that we you know catch our breath and find a way to just start moving forward. And, you know, so that's, we're we're wired for survival. We're wired to try to figure it out. But that doesn't make mean that sometimes that stuff is easy. And I know there are a lot of motivational speakers who will talk about um, surviving and thriving. And, you know, I would call that their thrival, you know, thriving in the challenge. I'm not sure that's always possible. However, I do believe that in a crisis, we have the innate ability we have the desire to navigate through it and in many cases re- we can and do realize powerful unpredictable outcomes but to try to say i'm going to experience a powerful unpredictable outcome in this situation i think that that's putting too much burden on us sometimes it's just a matter is okay i'm here now what and that's that's the conversation when you have that conversation i'm here now what that is a conversation a lot of times you just are having with yourself. It's in the quiet moments, call it the quiet moments of desperation, quiet moments where you step aside and say, I need to take a break and clear my head. Um, but, you know, we go through that process, and say, okay, I'm here. Now what? Where do I go from here? What do I do? How do I deal with it? Um, and so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today is how do we have those conversations with ourselves how do we listen to the voice in our head that talks to that? Because, you know, nobody knows us better than ourselves. Nobody knows what we need more than than ourselves. And there's that inner voice is, you know, talking to us and giving us advice and guidance. Sometimes it's talking to us and giving us crap, um, which is really, you know, we have to be careful to understand which one. Because, you know, the the inner voice, what I've learned about the inner voice is um, absolutely positively the inner voice can can say, well, there you are again. You're a moron. You're an idiot. You're a fool. So you did it again. You screwed up. OK, um, that's not the inner voice we want to listen to. That's the inner voice that's criticizing and judging us and condemning us. And remember, we talked about this before is that we're, if we're going to if we're going to create a place where somebody is free to share their story. Um, One of the things that we have to do is we have to be able to sit in a place where we are listening to the story and the guidance and the perspective and the experience of somebody else without judgment, criticism, or condemnation. So when that voice shows up and says, that inner voice shows up and says offers criticism, we need to say, okay, look, thanks for sharing, but that's not what I need to know. It's like, where do I go from here? What do I need to do and you have that conversation saying I can move from this, not saying I'm an um, something bad is the reason I'm being punished or whatever, not how I got here, but how do I move from here? So a few weeks ago, I aired an episode where I talked about listening and problem solving. And if you remember, um, if you haven't listened to that episode, another one to listen to is listening and problem solving. But if you if you listen to that problem solving, the first key, first step to solving any problem is making a commitment to yourself that there has to be a way. Um, and also the next level to that commitment, first commitment is I'm going to figure this out, right? That's the first commitment. Second commitment is I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure it out, to move from here. So the commitment is I am not going to allow myself to be stuck. I'm going to, I'm going to respond to this in a healthy, productive, growth, transitional manner, whatever words you want to use, because I believe there's a way. There has to be a way. So when you make those two commitments together, what you're doing is you're assigning the task of, of figuring it out and moving forward as opposed to going, oh, I don't know what to do. I have no idea and blah, blah, blah. And you get caught in the drama of the challenge. When you get caught in that, that's where you get stuck because then you're in the head trash department. So you really need to give yourself permission to say, look, I'm not going to criticize myself. I'm not going to spend time judging, and condemning myself for whatever happened or however I found myself in this situation. I'm not going to judge, condemn, or criticize the other person. What I'm going to do right here and now is I'm going to look at this situation from a from a move forward point of view, there has to be a way, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to find it. That's where you start. So way back when, there was a book that I read about addiction. Um, it was called Positive Addiction. It was a fantastic book. And the reason that I loved that book um, more than anything else was it talked about um, two sets of people, two behaviors. And the one was... Um, the notion that uh, people get stuck and when people get stuck, the reason they get stuck and used you know coincidentally they used the 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 author of the book used um, people who were um, in substance abuse or or um, addiction related issues is that basically the reason people get stuck or the reason people find themselves in a negative situation is they go, this is as good as it gets. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, whatever they're experiencing, they look at their life and they go, yep, it's not going to get any better than this. And they make a declaration, essentially. It's not going to get any better. And with that, a whole series of things happen. They kind of like, you know, they descend into um, a series of things. It starts out, first of all, when you make a declaration, when you sit down and you have a realization whether it's, whether it's true or not, that's different. But if it's true to you and you make that that declaration and you come to that realization in your mind that this is it, it's never going to get any better than this. The next pro- part of the process is that you shut down and you get depressed. You're sad. You're disappointed. You're hurt. You feel like crap because you just realize that my life is never going to be what I want it to be. It's essentially giving up. What happens is then you switch, uh, go into a deep depression, according to the author. And then the next step in the process is um, you start to do things that um, reinforce your belief that it can't get any better. So, you know, you you just kind of stop trying. Because if you tried, then that would be you're saying there's got to be a way. But really, if you're saying, nope, it's never getting any better than this, you start, you actually start pulling the plugs on, pulling the plug on effort. And that's that negative voice goes, yep, it's never going to get any better. No sense in trying that. It's never going to get any better. No sense in doing that. It's never going to get any better. I know how that's going to end up. What we do is then that reinforces that, right? And I Go from being sad and disappointed and really massively de- de- um, depressed to this whole declaration is, yeah, even if I'm not sad or disappointed, I know how this is going to go. It's not going to work out. So I'm not even going to try. And then the next piece is, is that sometimes we get rays of, those people get rays of hope. And in those rays of hope, it's like there's an opportunity. They get a great job or they meet a great um, uh, person, you know, to to share their life with for a while. And it's like, oh, good, you know, Dave's finally, you know, got it going. And then a couple months later, um, Dave blows it up. And just like, you know, quits the job, breaks up with the person they were dating, or however you want to look at that. And he goes, what happened? Ah, it wasn't going to work out anyway. So they destruct opportunities that were um, ways out because they were in the mindset is there isn't a way out. And then the last piece is to people who are committed that it's never going to get any better than this, is that they basically... Um, he calls it psychosis. They go to psychosis and they have these ailments for which there is no medical notation. You know, the backache that never, that nobody can figure out why you have it or the headaches that nobody can figure out why you have, or the weight gains that you have and nobody can understand why you're gaining weight. Those are commitments to failure. And people, um, they just sit in there and say, yeah, I would do this, but I can't. I would um, I can't walk. I can't you know, get up. I can't uh, get a good night's sleep. I can't. All those things reinforcing that they can't change the reality they've already embraced, committed to come to resignation with. It's never going to get any better. So that's why it's so important to tune out the voice that says you can't and focus on the voice that says, how do I? Um, and that's the inner voice. And you call on that inner voice and say, okay, you know, Hey, Dave, you know, I know there's gotta be a way we've got to figure this out. What do we need to do to figure it out? And that's really what, you know, the author talks about people who are positively addicted always believe there's an answer and they find things in their life habits and behaviors and, and, um, activities that reinforce the fact that they can keep moving that there is a better future out there. Even if I don't know what it is, I, even if I don't know how I'm going to find it, even if I don't know where it is or whatever, I believe there's an answer and I'm going to keep moving. So that's really, you know, at its core, when we're in the situation where I think like, like for me, going back to the things I just said, navigating my health, navigating, reconciling, how I feel about a, a broken relationship, navigating how I feel about my son and this very disappointing, painful uh, interruption in his life. It's like, okay, I could go, ah, just another example of things turning into crap in my life. Or I could say, how do I allow, you know, find a way to move forward from here where I feel better. I'm at peace. Um, I'm contributing not only to my health, but I'm also contributing to the, to the wants, needs, and expectations of the people around me. That means I'm looking for an answer. I'm looking for a way. So that first step is so um, critically important um to, to, before you even start to do it and it starts with a self-talk So that's the idea is that you make a commitment and the next thing is you sit down and like you can take inventory inventory um you know it can be critical right um, it can be critical but it's okay because if you say you know for me you know a good example of the situation with my with my health and stuff like that I let started to let some things slip. I wasn't working out um, the way I wanted to. I wasn't eating the way I needed to. Um, I wasn't having um, conversations in a relation, you know, conversations with uh, people in my relationship. In fact, I was shutting down relationships. And so I start to take inventory and say, okay, you know, hey, um, you need to get out of the funk you're in. You need to find a way. You need to make a commitment to finding answers. Okay, yeah. So what do I need to do? Well, first of all, recognize where I'm at. It's like, Dave, you know what? (laughs) You're not taking care of yourself. Okay. And just that alone, make a list. And then what you say is, okay, now you come to grips with the impact this decision is having the situation is having on you, and you decide what you want to do, what you would like to accomplish to move from it. Now, the reason that I look at this really carefully, though, is decide what you would like to accomplish as you navigate the situation. This is really about you. So when we say decide how what you would like to accomplish as you navigate your way through this situation out of the, you know, down the road, it's not about changing the people around you. It's not about changing the situation um, for the people around you. It's about how you're going to respond to the situation as it is and what you need to change in order to move through it. And I think that's all the big, you know, one of the hardest things is because we believe A lot of times people believe that I need to call on, you know, in order for this to work, um, my spouse needs to love me more. In order for this to work, my boss needs to trust me more. In order for this to work, my son needs to find recovery. In order for this to work, you know, my body's got to get healthy. Well, some things aren't going to change. They're just not going to change. My son is going to be dealing with his um, addiction and recovery for the rest of his life. It's that simple. It's his addiction. It's also his recovery. There's nothing I can do to change that situation for him. Only he can. However, I can change. I can um, define. I have responsibility for how I respond to him as my son in this situation. I have the ability to change or respond or influence how I feel about myself or how I take care of myself in the pain or the disappointment or the anger for the situation because I can influence change on me. And I think that's real important is is that change doesn't require other people to participate. Change, healthy change like that, requires you to participate in taking care of you. That's why we call it self-care. It's not selfish care, it's self-care. Doing the things that you know you need to do to move forward from where you are in an an area of tension or difficulty. That's self-care. Changing, defining what you need to do to respond to the situation and find a way to navigate through it in a healthy, productive way that doesn't slow you down or beat you up or anything else. It's taking care of yourself and doing what you need to do. And I, and I want to emphasize here when we talk about this, that there's a big difference between self-care and self-protection. Self-care is just what I told you, talked about, is doing the things that are, you know are good for you, provide you the ability to navigate the chaos. Self-care is, you um, just think kind of like a football term, but self-care is being on offense. You got the ball. You're going to run with it. Right. And you know where you're going, or at least you're working on finding ways to know where you're going. Self protection is different because that's defensive. How do I avoid people, things, and situations that aren't good for me? Now, in, in, in I will say that it's not to say that self protection is bad, not to say that self protection is wrong, because there's sometimes, in order for you to be healthy and safe and take care of yourself, certain things do need to be avoided. But if we like say one of my things that I need to do is I just need to have nothing to do with my son anymore because I can't deal with his addiction, that's self-protection. And all that's doing is putting up a wall between yourself and the problem and saying, I you know, as long as I keep the wall between me and the problem, then I don't have to deal with it. Not true. You still have to deal with it because it's not going away. All now you have is you have a wall to remind you that there's something on the other side that is causing you pain. So self-protection, though you can say, I'm not comfortable dealing with my son right now. However, I need to find a way to have a healthier response to the situation as it relates to my son. What do I need to do that's good for me that creates a better outcome in that situation, self-care. So let's make sure that we understand the differences that self-protection is defensive, sometimes necessary. Um, It's not a good necessary long-term, unless obviously you're avoiding people who are violent to you or could hurt you physically, that kind of stuff. I mean, there are reasons why self-protection is good and necessary, but to recognize that self-protection as an, as an outcome in and of itself is not, um, is not, healthy, in the sense that you're still going to need to do some things to heal. And self-care is, is where the healing comes from, doing the things that you know you need to do to take care of yourself. I hope that makes sense. So anyway, let's go. Um, While well, I was just looking here, we're going to be taking a break in a few minutes. So let's just revisit where we're at, because I'm going to talk after the break about examples of things that we that I've done or things that I've learned about self-care and about listening to that inner voice that has helped me move forward. But the most important thing is to start out with this whole idea. Let's just review what I talked about. Start out with the ideas is that I'm in a situation. Here's my situation. This is what it is. This is what I'm experiencing. This is how I feel. It could be a relationship. It could be something at work. It could be you know, I don't know, politics at uh, at the office or at, in, a, in a club you belong or challenges with relationships with people. It doesn't matter. But this is what I'm experiencing. This is where I'm at. This is it. And then you go, and I want to move through this. So I'm making a commitment to myself that there has to be a way. There has to be a way. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to move through that. And I'm going to listen to my voice. I'm going to listen to... Um, go through the list of things that I need to accomplish or, you know, things that need to be accomplished so that I do start to feel better and start to explore how you do that. And then we'll talk a little bit on the other side, you know, how you put those things to action. But the first conversation is coming to the reality is, is that it isn't, life isn't where I want to be, but I'm going to do whatever it is I need to do to change it. Here's what I'm going to do, et cetera. So when we come back from break and I'm a little early on the break, but when we come back from break, I'm going to talk a little bit about things that I've learned and the tri- tips and tricks that I've used to help me navigate the chaos, including the current one that I just talked about. And uh, we'll go from there. So stay tuned and we'll talk about putting solutions into action and we'll be back. Thanks. Follow Voice America
2: at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific, Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at Dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: All right, this is David Cook, and we're on Stop, Telling, and Start Listening. And when we took before we took a break, we were talking a little bit about um, understanding how to make a commitment to change the situation that we're in and the and the uh, really we weren't talking yet as much about the inner voice but in some respects it is about um, having a conversation with yourself and so when we gonna give you six steps and then we'll talk a little bit about application so the first step in in navigating the chaos in your life and having that conversation with yourself and listening to the voice the inner voice who's paying close attention remember your subconscious operates 24 7 365 days a year, it's never distracted and it's always busy. Whereas your conscious is only operating with what it what it experiences in the day, pretty much, and it only works when you're alert. So you know, keep in mind that when you're subconscious, when you give give space for your inner self to speak, that subconscious to share what it's been observing and experiencing, it's a very powerful thing. But you've got to be able to sit in that space quietly, sit in that space, and and talk to yourself and be introspective. And, you know, that's that's a big challenge for a lot of people because, you know, they, they don't know how to go deep or they don't know how to you connect with their feelings and stuff like that. So it's the whole idea. That's the part of this process. So the first step in the process we talked about already is make a commitment. Make a commitment to yourself that there has to be a way and you're going to find you're going to figure out how to do it. The second piece is, is that you like sit in the situation, identify the situation for what it is. Talk about what you're experiencing. Talk about what you know, how you feel about it and what it means to you and the things that are going on. Connect with with everything as it relates to it. And, and when I say the situation, I mean, obviously, this sounds like it's relational, but if I'm doing an assessment, if I'm looking at the, the situation, say, I'm just not happy with my career, that's a situation. You can be introspective about it. What about your career that you're not happy with? What about your career that you that you that you like to, that you have celebrated? What would you like to celebrate? Um, what are the things that are missing? What makes you think that your career isn't what it could be, and that kind of stuff? So identify the situation for what else. Have an honest conversation with your spot yourself. And then also, you know the the and I've said this a few times. I don't make sure this is a really the third step, but it's 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 a compute a, an important step is come to grips with the impact this issue has on you. What is it doing to you? What are you experiencing? Um, you know, just like you know, I shared before the the fact that I had a friend, a very good friend, terminate suddenly terminate a very mutually beneficial business relationship out of the blue with no conversation, no exchange, no whatever. How do I feel about that? Holy crap. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I can't believe it. I can't get an answer. Okay? I'm beating my head on on the wall. In fact, the impact it's having me is I'm starting to think like, what did I do wrong? What if I didn't do anything wrong? But the the impact it's having on me is I'm starting to have self-doubt. I was starting to come to this point where well, I must have done something. I try to figure out what I did wrong and how can I fix it and all stuff. So I need to recognize what I'm doing to myself as it relates to this, the impact it's having on me, emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually. Come to grips with that and put it out on the table. And say, "Wow, this is this is I'm, I'm abusing myself. I need to do something about it." So then that's the next step: is decide what you would like to accomplish as you navigate the situation. And then talk a little bit about the next steps. So when I say decide what you'd like to accomplish, make a list. Say, this is what I want to accomplish. This is how I, this is what I would like to accomplish to know that I've moved through it, things that I want to put behind me, things I want to experience as a result of fixing, correcting, changing, navigating the situation. What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to experience? And you get even more specific, articulate what's in that. When we talk about, I'm going to make spaghetti sauce, right? Um, So you say, I want to, my accomplishment is I'm going to make spaghetti sauce for dinner tonight. Okay. So what does that look like? Good question. What needs to be in the spaghetti? What do I need in order to make spaghetti sauce? Huh? Well, I need tomato sauce. I need spices. Well, which ones? You know, thyme, basil, oregano, garlic, right? I need tomatoes. Do I need anything else? I don't know. Maybe some, you know, some hot peppers, you know, et cetera. So you start to say, what needs to go in there? And you start to think of that, say, okay, now let's see, I know that I want to make spaghetti sauce. I know that I need to have these things in my sauce. Now, how do I do it? So that would be the next step is defining a course of action. What's the process that you're going to use to move forward from the situation you're in? And that's a conversation you can have with yourself. And I think it's important that you have that conversation with yourself, you know, I think uh, not to not to minimize friends and stuff like that, but nobody knows you better than you. And sometimes when we're looking for answers and ideas and suggestions from people, that's good. But just remember that just because somebody else found, you know, uh, this was their sequence for success. This is how they found their way out of whatever it is they've navigated out of. That's their experience. So it's a good, it's it's a good benchmark for success. There's always good ideas, but it might not always apply to you. So at the same time, you say, okay, that's you know, that's me, that's not me. I could I think I could see myself doing that. No, that's not my thing. So talking to somebody else is always helpful because it gives you a sense of best practices and opportunities. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the last thing, the most important thing is, is you need to have an honest conversation with yourself. Say, okay. This is where I am. This is what it's doing to me. Now, it, this is what I want to accomplish. How am I going to do it? That's pretty much it. So, I was when I was thinking about this um, course. Is that at the beginning of the year, I realized that I was you know, I had allowed a lot of things to slip. I had fallen in, into a, uh, like I said. My emotional health sucked. my physical health was getting worse. my in dietary habits. I'm a stress eater, not a stress workout, or some people lose weight when they get stressed. i I turn into a a blimp when I stress. So I wasn't taking care of myself. So at the beginning of the year, I started to like take inventory, and say, Dave, you need it. this isn't healthy. You're being mad at your friend. you're being mad at your body. you're being frustrated with your doctors. None of those are good for you because this is what you're, this is how you're responding to it. You need to, you need to step out of this because this is not going to work. It's not going to make you feel any better. It's not going to make you in fact, If anything, you're becoming grumpier, Dave, you're becoming angrier, Dave, you're becoming more frustrated, Dave. You need to get out of this because that's not good for you. and It's not good for the people that are around you. So I made a commitment. I says, I need to find a way out and there's got to be a way. So just to, by happenstance, um, I ended up at a Nidra yoga class and Nidra Nidra's deep meditation yoga. And I'm, for those who know what it is, probably going Dave, it's more a little more complica- complex than that. but anyway, that's what I experienced. This Nidra yoga basically what we did was we stretched and did some movement and then we basically um, pieced out uh, we I went into this deep state dream almost. and the woman said it the 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 instructor at the beginning of the class said, "What would you like to accomplish?" In this session, what are your intentions? Not only for this session, but for the year. And I looked. I said, you know, more than anything else, I wanna, I wanna be at peace. I wanna find. I wanna, I wanna love. Be. I wanna love, and I wanna be grateful. And the the piece was is that I wanna be at peace with who I am, where I am. The love piece is I wanna love me myself better for who I am, where I am the last one is, is that I want to be grateful for the journey that I've had and the journey before me. I want to find gratitude in that. So peace for who I am, where I am, love myself for who I am, where I am, and be grateful for the journey I've had and the journey before me. And so when I started that, it just like completely shifted my whole mindset because everything it didn't say I need to figure out how to feel better about. No, it's like I need to be at peace, love myself, and with gratitude. And when I started, to, when I did that, and I went to that the yoga practice for an hour and a half and stuff, and I found such great contentment just through the thought exercise of a, of releasing all the tension and all the stress that it cleared my head. And I was able to step back and say, okay, now, now that you're practicing peace, love, and gratitude, what does that look like? And I ended up making, I made a list. And I put five things on the list. One, work on the podcast. Two, work on my client, focus on my client. Three, work on um, a course that I'm developing. Four, eat better. Five, you know, keep moving. And I challenge myself as I'm going to touch work in three components every single day, client, radio show, coursework. I'm going to exercise every day, yoga, swimming, cycling, or weights every day. I'm going to do something every day. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but I was going to do something every day. And then third was eat better. I am going to um, focus on eating, you know, taking in foods and having a a dietary habit, not diet, but a dietary process where I'm taking care of myself. I'm eating the things that make me feel good, that are good for me. So when I started doing that um, every day, I just went down the list. Okay. What's next? What's next? What's next? I scheduled the workouts. I scheduled my, um, planned out my eating. I did all the things. And what happened was, is that that's all I did starting in January. It was a process. There were times where I hit highs and lows and it was good and bad. But what happened was, is that I started to move forward from where I was to a place that says, okay, I'm busy. I have things to focus on. I have things I can accomplish. I have things that I can do. I have things that I can celebrate. And next thing I know, because my my uh, the conversation I had with myself gave me some great steps and it was only five things only five things. I don't have a big, long list of stuff. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, did you do the radio show? Yeah. Did you work on your client stuff? Yeah. Did you work on your coursework? No. And But even then, it's like, that's okay. So you didn't. There's no judgment, criticism, or condemnation. It's like, that was before you. How do you feel where you're at with these things? All these steps involve and provide you an opportunity to take control of the situation. Because the only thing that you have control over is you. It's your attitude and your effort. Everything else is dependent upon something else. But your attitude and your effort, you have control over. And so that's what I learned in this whole process is that's why it's so important to talk to yourself. Let yourself tell you what you need to do. Let yourself give yourself permission to do what you need to do. Allow yourself the space to just go do it. Without judgment, criticism, and condemnation, it's more like say, oh, this is the opportunity before you, Dave. You want to do it? Yes. Good. Then I'm here for you. Let's go. Let's do it. But all these steps require or at least involve the process of looking inwardly and determining that you're going to navigate the chaos to change who you are in the situation. And less on how you might change someone else or change the situation for what is because that involves other people and you have no control over how they're going to respond to the situation. You only have control over how you respond. So that that's the story. I'll give you another example because um, this is what I discovered the first time around. And if, if we've talked about this before. Those who know me know my 100-pedal story. But about 11 years ago, Um, I was dealing with similar frustrations, challenges uh, related to my son. Actually, they were more intense because I didn't understand my son's situation. I didn't understand addiction. I didn't understand a lot of things. Fortunately, over the course of the last 10 to 12 years, I've learned a lot more about a lot of things, including my um, my son's story and his experiences and his challenges that it relates to addiction, as well as just the general sense of um, addiction. But so, anyway, about 10 or 11 years ago, I was really struggling, really struggling. I was broken, beat up, failed because every time my son relapsed, I took it personally. It's like, what do I need to do to change my son's situation? What do I need to do to get him to get clean? What do I need? So, everything was like, I was trying to get my son to change his situation. And every time he didn't, I took a step backwards. As a dad, I took it up, you know, I took it um personally. As a as a da- as a a human being, I started to not take care of myself because of the stress and the pain that I was dealing with. It was a distraction. That was all I was focused on. I was ignoring the things that were good for me. So anyway, one night I had this um, epithetical moment. I went out on the par- porch when my son and my TV set were missing and he was in a relapse and he was living on the street somewhere and I was missing him. I was terrified for him. I was scared for him. I was scared for me. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to deal with it. But one day I just like woke up in the middle of the night and I found myself on the front porch in the middle of the night and I'd go, and I would do this every time um, when this would happen, but I did it, this particular event was significant. As I went out on the porch in the middle of the night, the sun was out, uh, the moon was out. I mean, sorry, the middle of the night the sun out, that'd be quite a trick. But um, the sun was, the moon was out and I was like going through this thing. I said, um, I would say a prayer and say, you know, please take care of my son wherever he is and bring him home safely to me. And then I would do a second prayer and say, please help me find my way through this. And it was really funny because my inner voice showed up and said, dude, I've heard this prayer before. How's it going? It's going awful. Really? You're, you're praying it a lot. And yeah, no matter how much I pray, nothing's changing. It's like, okay. And it was really funny because I started to have a conversation with myself. And the conversation with myself is okay, you're praying for change and nothing's happening. What do you and and you're doing it over and over again and nothing's happening? What's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And my inner voice said, You need to do something different. And I went, Yeah, I do. And I had a conversation with myself right then and there. The conversation with myself is, okay, what do you need to do? Now that you recognized. Right. The first the first thing was, well, first step is making it come out to solving it. But in this situation, it was the first step that I got was let's talk about where you're at. What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? What are you going through? What's the impact this has on you? What are you willing to do about it? So the conversation Chan, transition to say, what can I do to change this situation for me? And, you know, through a course, of the the iteration was the course was, you know, well, you need to ride your bike more because I was riding my bike very erratically, very inconsistently. I was gaining weight. I wasn't socializing. I was holding up. I was depressed um, the whole bit. And the voice inside said, Dave, just ride your bike, man. Just get out there and ride your bike. And I thought, well, yeah, but that's not enough. I need something to I need this something to challenge me. I mean, something that really that I need, that allows me to focus on something other than where I am. And so the the conversation, again, with my inner self was, okay, so what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking I need to ride, make a commitment to ride my bike for, say, 60 days in a row. Just get out and ride every day. And then I thought about, said, so, you know, that's not enough. I know I could do that, and I'm not sure that that's enough of a challenge in the sense that I wanted to challenge myself to experience what it's like um, to be in recovery. Right, the notion of giving up drugs for the rest of your life when that's all you have and all you want is your drug, your addiction. So I said, ah, yeah, I could do that. That's not gonna. That's not a challenge. It's not a call to action. That's inspiring or um, even you know, creates fear, whether I can accomplish it. So I leaned in and I said, okay, maybe ride my bike for 90 days. Now we're talking. So, okay, 90 days is a weird number. So I said, I challenged myself. My inner self said, okay, so let's do this. Why don't you challenge yourself to ride your bike for an hour a day for hundred days in a row? And I'm going, yeah, I like that. I'm pretty sure I can do it. I have no idea if I can, and I have no idea how but it's enough of a distraction for me and it's good for me because riding my bike every day is good for me that I'm going to do that. That's what I did. I just leaned into it. And what happened from that was, is that I, you know, didn't worry about whether I was going to accomplish it as much as I focused on what the opportunity was in doing that. What was the opportunity in doing that? The opportunity in doing that was getting myself out of the rut that I was in. Number two, gave me an opportunity to discover what it was like to be in recovery, where I'm doing something every day. You know, my call to action for my son is doing something every day would be not to use, not to um, uh, use his drug, right? But for me, the challenge was how do I ride my bike every day? Same kind of challenge: how do you do something? You have no idea how you're going to do it. That's what, you know, recovery is. That's what, you know, any challenge is, you know, it's like leaning into it and say, I don't know if I can do that. Okay. But if you wanted to challenge yourself, what does it look like? Well, I'd like to lean into this. Good. And you move forward. And then the last piece was, is that um, I wanted to, I wanted to um, more than anything else, you know, try out that experience of giving something up. That I didn't know how to do, but also to demonstrate to myself and to my son that I wanted to understand what he was going through in in a safe and healthy way. And I it just, to me, it was a great opportunity for me to try to walk alongside my son without walking alongside my son, putting myself in his shoes in a different way, and also create a a, a path that uh, that is inspiring for him or others if he if he so wanted to follow. So that's what I did. And what I found is is that, you know, I rode my bike, I got excited, I was like journaling, I was writing sayings. um at the end of the bike ride, I realized that the journey that I was on with my son before that was one that was I was trying to rescue my son from his addiction without understanding what he was going through. And what I did on the other side is I recognized how hard it is to make a commitment like that. And also, too, what my son needed for me is not somebody to beat him, beat him up for what he was doing, but to be able to meet him where he was and love him for who he was, even though he was making those decisions. And so that was a game changer for me. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what this is all about, is taking the time to listen. This is where I am. This is what it's doing to me. I make, I'm making a commitment that that where I am isn't working. Where I am is not acceptable. There has to be a way. And once I decide I'm going to find a way, then I lean into it and say, okay, what do, what, do, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And listen to yourself. Lean into yourself and challenge yourself and trust yourself that you're getting an answer. I'm not always happy with all the changes I've, I'm I'm going through. You know, life is hard. It's not fun. It's not easy. There's a lot of adjustments to a re- new reality that I still need to make right? I mean, I have my list of five and I have my things, but it doesn't change how I feel about those situations. But what it does do is it helps me move further away from them so I can see them in a different light. And they don't keep me down and they don't beat me up. And I continue to go through the process of listening to and trusting my inner voice. Because for the most part, everything that i found that has inspired me and supported me, gave me strength, was my inner voice, even in the darkest moments. So that's what I would encourage you to do is that You know, we have those things that we get called to do. Trust your inner voice and go from there. And in the meantime, keep listening. Open your heart, open your ears, open your mind, because once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.